stocks, bonds, ETFs, straight out of downtown Chicago. This is Zach's Market Edge. Welcome to the Zach's Market Edge, the podcast about investing in your life. I'm your host, Tracy Reinick, and this week I'm joined by Zach's Momentum trader editor and Zach's Momentum specialist, Dave Bartosiak, to discuss the market's big momentum stocks, of course, the FANG stocks. Yes, they're back and they're busting out to new highs. And by FANG, I'm going to do a little bit broader than just the normal F-A-N-G, and I'm going to go with the 10-stock definition, which is used by BMO in their FAME FANG index. You might not even know this exists, but there is a three-time leveraged FANG ETF product. The ticker there is FNGU, which makes sense. They have a, a leverage for and a leverage down, but this is the, the one if you want to play the momentum to the upside. And um, those that index includes, as I said, the 10 stocks. So they have the original FANG, which is Facebook, Apple, Amazon, Netflix, and then they use Google for the G because it used to be Google, now Alphabet, of course. And then they added in Alibaba, Baidu, NVIDIA, Tesla, and Twitter. So Dave, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. I wanted to have you on because this is all in the news now. Oh, the fangs, they're breaking out. You know, the doom is probably in, in the markets, all that kind of stuff. But my bigger question is, if you're not in, you know, and some of these 10 names or any of these 10 names, should you still be buying the FANG stocks with what's going on with them, many of them busting out to new highs? Is it is it too late? Should I just throw in the towel and say, man, you know, I missed out or what should be going on here? And let's start kind of with the original FANG stocks because that gets the most focus and People have been talking about those breakouts. In fact, I think all of them are breaking out. Those five names are all at new highs, I believe, when we're recording this. Um, but what do you think about buying these as a momentum person? Well, you know what I say, Tracy? There's no momentum like momentum. <laughs> and, uh, all these stocks have been breaking higher. And you really don't have to look any further than the NASDAQ composite. Uh, for a while, this market, up until the last couple of weeks, really, um, the overall market was trapped in what I like to call a no-man's land. Uh, and that's the area between the 50-day and the 200-day moving average. So the reason why I call it that is because, you know, those are very important trend indicators, the 50-day moving average and the 200-day moving average. And when a stock is stuck between there, what it's telling you is that people are are are, are not sure if, the stock should be going up and breaking through, or if it should be going down, and it's stuck right there in the middle. And the whole market was stuck there for a while. Now, over the last couple of weeks, finally, we're starting to see leadership. Uh, first, it was coming from the small caps, but now it seems like the NASDAQ is really the one that's, that's starting to pull this market higher. And most of these FANG stocks um, are NASDAQ components. And a huge chunk of the NASDAQ 100 is, is the names in FANG. So I think as goes FANG, so will go the NASDAQ and vice versa. Okay. So right now with the NASDAQ composite up here, well, the NASDAQ at all-time highs, um, I think it's going to continue to happen where these stocks are going to continue to march higher. 
and it's definitely going to be one of those buy high, sell higher type situations. But hey, that's what us momentum traders do, right? Right. Now, you've talked in the past about um, why you should be buying the momentum stocks, because I know a lot of people have difficulty buying on the highs. Why is it I want to buy on the high? I've written articles about this over the years. And uh, I mean, one of them kind of comes into mind. I think I wrote it early on when I was at Zach's. So uh, I want to call it 2014. Okay. Summer of 2014 or something like that. And I was talking about five stocks to buy at all time highs. And I remember seeing the comments on Yahoo of just how stupid I am to be telling (laughs) people to buy at highs, right? Right. And then uh, I've also done a Zach's Confidential showing that. Even if you did buy at the highs in the worst possible scenario where you actually top-picked the market, still only a few years before you get back to break even. Now, most people, you know, the thought of losing money for the next three, four, five, seven years, obviously nobody wants to do that. But the point I was trying to make is that overwhelmingly buying at the highs will work out versus sitting on the sidelines and just waiting for your perfect opportunity to get in. Yeah. So it, you almost have to realize that, you know, just because something is high doesn't mean it can't go any higher. And if you're looking for reasons to justify um, investing in these stocks, I don't think you have to look much further than the overall U.S. economy and just the, the, the breadth that the market has had. And if you want to dig into valuations on some of these stocks, while, while maybe they are, compared to the rest of the market, a little bit stretched, if you compare them to their own historical valuations, they're not that bad. I'm glad you brought that point up because I went and researched that because I, I know that is an issue and I keep hearing like, oh, it's like 1999 again on the markets because of the NASDAQ breaking out and these particular stocks doing so well. But I remember 1999, and even with Cisco and Microsoft, the valuations were really stretched in 1999 and into 2000. And so I took a look at the these uh, original five FANG stocks and really other, you know, the, sure, there's a, a couple that have always been more expensive, and I'll say talk about that in a second. But otherwise, it's not really that stretched. It's not anywhere near 1999. So the two that are the most expensive are the ones you would think. Amazon, it's trading at 129 times right now. Netflix is at 125 times. But as you mentioned, that's not anywhere close to how high they've been the last even couple of years. So in 2015, Amazon was trading at 520 times. That was like its median forward PE. And Netflix um, was trading at 2,000 times in 2012. That was its median. But its cheapest, Netflix, was in 2014. It was trading 103 times. So it's never been super cheap. And Amazon's cheapest was... going back to 2012, was in 181 times. So those two are always have been the most expensive. But if you look at Apple, that's been a value stock for years. It was trading at 12 times in 2016. That's just two years ago. It's at 16.7 times now. So this is the most expensive that stock has been in a while. But that's about average of the entire market for Apple. 
And then even um, Google Alphabet, people like to complain about that one, but it's a little pricier now because it has rallied. It's trading at 28 times, but it traded as cheap as 17 times in 2012. And I don't think anyone is very upset about, you know, buying in the 20s, 20 times for a growth stock that has a 20% revenue Growth year over year, I don't know. I, I don't think anyone's upset about that one. And then just rounding it out, Facebook, that's trading at 25 times now. Um, this is the cheapest it's been since its IPO. It traded with 198 times median PE in 2012 when it went IPO. Yeah, and specifically to Amazon and Netflix, if you're, you know, whoever is out there using PE ratio for as a valuation on Amazon and Netflix, um, stop. Just stop it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, price to sales, if you want to find a good a good metric for them, um, because the way that those companies are run, you know, they're yeah. all about reinvesting into their own company because their ROI is better than yours. So right. if you look at Amazon from a price to sales perspective, um, you're looking at 4.29 times right now. That's on par with where they were trading in 2003. Okay. So um, not uh, not stretched. And in, in the early days of Amazon, you know, they traded as much as 33 times earnings. That's back in 1999 when things, well, are, things were nuts. Not, yeah. not times earnings, times sales. 33 yeah. Okay. Times sales, yeah. Okay. And they only sold and now books. We're at 4.29. <laughs> right. Yeah. So that's the sort of thing that that you should be looking at um, when you're trying to trying to. Uh, get valuations on some of these fang stocks. Yeah. you got to kind of put it in perspective. Now, Netflix is up to 12 times sales right now. Okay. And that is more expensive than they've uh, ever been. Okay. So you so, would put Netflix uh, in the again, expensive in, category. Right. But, the, of course, we didn't see them in 99. So we, right. we can only, you know, speculate what, what they would have been trading at back then. Yeah. Oh yeah, um, for sure. But still, so so there are a little, you know, a little bit more expensive um, overall. But again, you're not buying these stocks because you're you're out there looking for values. Right. You're right. buying these stocks because the market is moving higher. The Nasdaq is showing you that it's breaking out, and it's it's going to be one of those things where there's still a ton of money out there, and people are looking to invest. So where is the risk? Well, the risk is in these trade wars. And that means the risk is in mega caps and large caps. So that's why a lot of the money has been moving to where there's growth and where there's more profits from the U.S. Yeah. So that's why you were seeing the small caps do so well in the Russell 2000 and then also the NASDAQ, which Cooker has been pounding the table on yeah. since, since I've known Cooker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, where all sure. the, all, that's where all the growth is. Yeah. So, But the NASDAQ has really shaken off. Um, you know some of the some of the worries heading into this year. Yeah, and uh, and because you know in January Nasdaq led the market higher also, right? And then it let it it, it let everybody down uh, into early February. February. Yeah. So we're still kind of we were just now breaking out from the top end of the January levels right now. Yeah, it seems real bullish. But let's switch over to the other five stocks that are in the Fang Index that they added because they're not going to trade the ETF with only five stocks. So they went with 10 and that index, by the way, is equally weighted each 
name is 10% of the index. So that side, remember, is Alibaba, Baidu, NVIDIA, Tesla, and Twitter. And that side has had a little bit rougher go of it in 2018. Um, Especially Tesla, I had to look it up, and it's down 10% year to date. I think that's the only one of these FANG and so-called FANG stocks, as we call them, that is actually down year to date. So does that make something like Tesla a buying opportunity here? Tesla is... Or is that a whole a other story? <laughs> it's, yeah, it's a philosophical story. Okay. Um, do you believe in the genius of Elon Musk, or do you think he's selling snake oil? Okay. And the the bulls think he's the second coming, and the bears think that he's, um, you know, P.T. Barnum. So I, I'm, I'm not, you know. Okay. Personally, I'm, I'm a big fan of Elon Musk, and I think that, electric vehicles um, are the way of the future. And we can put our head in the sand and pretend it's not going to happen here in the U.S. as much as we'd like, but there are global forces which are pushing it forward, which are stronger than the old curmudgeons in the U.S. (laughs) saying that it's not going to happen. So it's going to happen. Um, Now the question is, is Tesla the company that's best positioned for that? And I think that they are. And I think that their supercharger network, once it's fully built out here in the U.S., um, you know, is going to be great for them. Uh, you know, they're not just a car company; they're an energy company. And eventually, people will realize that. I think, but I don't. Even with all that being said, um, is Tesla worth two hundred and eighty-eight dollars a share right now? You know, yeah. where's the fair value on on Tesla? Much larger discussion, I think. Okay. Again, more of a philosophical thing. Yeah. Um, that you can go back and forth on, uh, and that's why it's such a great stock to talk about, and that's why it's always on CNBC. Right. And people are always tweeting back and forth about it, and so passionate about it, uh, because there is so much to talk about. With yeah. Tesla. We'll keep that um, under advisement. Then, what about Twitter? That one was kind of left for dead. I used to own it. And it then, was? Yeah, and, and then, then I sold Jack it. Has resurrected it. Yes, both of his and companies. And now it's going into the S and P five hundred. Yeah, Monsanto. It's back up to the three year um, highs. So, is this a different story? Is this is the turnaround for real? Should investors be getting into Twitter? I think you have to. Okay. Because now they are they have been, you know, sort of legitimized um, by the S and P five hundred. Yeah. They're not going anywhere. So that means all that. All those index funds are going to be buying Twitter. Yeah. And uh, that's why that's why the stock is up 5% today. Um, yeah. As a result, but it has still a, struggling to get over 40 here. Yeah. It has a PE now. But, it's trading at 51 times because they are expected to see positive earnings this year. So they have that going for them. Yeah. You know, um, it, the turnaround has been kind of slow. Um, it, it, it's sort of taken a while for the the market to warm back up Twitter, yeah. but warm up it has. Yeah. And uh, that's why you've seen the stock go on such a really nice run here. Yeah. Uh, pretty much, you know, more than doubling since what, October of last year? Yeah. But that's about right when I sold. 
<laughs> for real. <laughs> it is. I know, but I do. I redeployed the money somewhere else, so I'm not really crying in my coffee at all. But I am glad for those that held that they're seeing these good returns with that one because I am a Twitter fan and I, I do use it, so I do like the company. So it's good to see them turning around. What about yep. the two Chinese stocks that are in this bigger Fang definition, Alibaba and Baidu? What do you think about? investing in Chinese companies right now with these looming trade war tariff issues and all of that? Yeah, I, I don't, I, I think that any negative, on uh, any negative on the headline risk that pops out about trade wars is actually a buying opportunity for these Chinese stocks because the fundamental growth in China is not, is not going to change based on a tweet or an article or posturing back and forth with China here in the U.S. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I think it's, there's a lot of smoke and mirrors going on. And when it comes down to it, those are great investing opportunities because the market's kind of over, you know, overstepping, which they often do, overreacting to news. And when you look at the, the fundamentals and the growth behind those companies, there's still a ton of opportunity um, in China. Yeah, Alibaba's up 13% year-to-date. I think it was hitting new highs, too, wasn't it? I, I heard that it was. And it's trading at 31 times right now, which isn't too bad. It's been in the 40s for its PE for 2015, 2016, and most of 2017. And this is among the cheapest since its IPO, actually. So those earnings are rising. It's it's not as expensive as it used to be. And then Baidu's... Yeah, and a very- Sorry. Similar pattern to what we've seen on the Nasdaq. That's right. Very similar yeah. pattern to what we've seen on the Nasdaq. You know, where it's chopped up, chopped down, and then now, now all of a sudden it's breaking out to the upside, um, which is a, a good sign from a technical perspective. Okay. On Alibaba. Yeah, and Baidu's always been kind of the the poor man's um, Chinese <laughs> internet stock. Uh, it's right. trading at twenty four times right now, and that's the cheapest it's been since twenty thirteen when it traded at twenty three times. So. Um, that's up a little bit this year, I think, but it's not seeing as big a gains because it's just not as liked by the average investor or even even the street as some of these other Chinese right. names. Lots are. of volatility and lots of volatility in that stock. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't um, does not, not have the of heart. no, it doesn't have the pretty chart like some of these other ones. Not a pretty chart, chop city. What about? And it's not just recently. It's just it just gets yeah. into these choppy modes finds a level and then and then moves again and then here we are again chopping around so it's uh buy on the dip yeah and then what about nvidia what do you make of that chart is that so, still the king of of the semis is that still the one yes okay <laughs> I'm so happy i i gotta keep tooting my horn here and cooker again well, i i don't mean to keep bringing up cooker but he tries to take credit for nvidia but <laughs> i knew I knew of a kid, a young man, whose first Bloomberg appearance told everybody to buy NVIDIA when it was at 25, Tracy. Wow. 25. And then I did a video with Mullen. Was it the beginning of, I think it was the beginning of 2017. And I said that NVIDIA would be at 250 by the end of 2017. Um and I almost got it. Wow. And now here we are at 265. Now, here's the thing with NVIDIA, okay? Um, we've got a new product launch that's coming. Well, NVIDIA does. 
and that's their next generation of graphics processing cards, right? So there's going to be a huge upgrade cycle that takes place as as gamers and such buy the new cards. Uh, I also think any crypto mining operations, you're going to do the same. Everybody's going to upgrade, right? Because there's money on the table, so they're going to upgrade. Yeah. Now, last quarter was the first quarter that NVIDIA actually um, parsed out the data regarding crypto and what percentage of their revenue it was. Okay. What and, is it? <laughs> uh, I think it's only like 10%. Okay. It's a small wow. fraction yeah. of their business. Uh, I should get the actual number right before the end of this uh, podcast so I don't sound stupid, <laughs> but it's somewhere around it's like 10% of their revenue comes from crypto versus, you know, AMD where most of it is coming from there. Uh, so I like that they, 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 you know, they parse that out. And if you remember, NVIDIA came under some pressure when the autonomous car biz basically ground to a halt after that, that uh, unfortunate accident in, uh, in Arizona. Yeah. Uh, they basically came out and said they're not going to be doing live, you know, testing out there on the streets. That does not mean that that technology is just going away or that car manufacturers have ignored their partnerships that they have with NVIDIA. It's, it's here. It's not going anywhere. And as the, the march towards autonomous cars continues, um, you're going to see continued huge investments from automotive manufacturers into that space, which means they're going to be buying up a ton of tech and they're going to be expanding their partnerships with companies like NVIDIA. So I think there's still a lot of um, really good stuff happening from now to the end of the year for NVIDIA and then certainly next year. Now, the growth numbers, I think, have slowed down considerably for them because you just can't keep growing um, at the pace that yeah. they had been, you know, forever. Eventually, economies of scale kind of kick in. Right. And you, you start to slow down, right? They're a $160 billion company. Let's see, their revenue growth is 39% this quarter. This year, it looks like 356 But the next year, we're supposed to slow to 10%. I think that's a gross underestimation there. Um, I think they're going to grow more than that. Like I said, with the next generation of cars that they have coming, people are going to be making upgrades. And uh, there'll be new markets that are opening up. So while NVIDIA may not be the runaway bullish story that it has been, I still think that there's plenty of opportunity for them to grow. And eventually they're, they're going to be one of those mainstays, uh, one of those tech stalwarts that just don't go anywhere that uh, that are going to be a core position for everyone's portfolio moving forward. Now, you've always been up on the gaming aspect. And I remember um, even before the stock started soaring, you were talking about, you know, their their gaming capabilities and all of that, and that was going to be huge. So there, you, there was last year in 2017 a shortage of, you know, the gaming stuff. Yep. And where do we stand with that now? Is that still going on in 2018? Are people overpaying for that still? Uh, you know, it's, is it still really difficult to get your hands on? Still tough to get your hands on. As as they've been planning to make the switch on over to their next-gen card, yeah. you know, they're, they're fulfilling orders and such that are out there, existing orders. But there's still huge demand coming from the crypto space for, okay. for anything, yeah. you know, graphics card related. Um, that's also something that's not going away, right? Just because Bitcoin's not at 17,000 doesn't mean that people have, have given up on the entire crypto space. Right. Uh, it's 
still out there, and uh, it's still a big deal. And a lot of these cards are, are still being purchased because of that. And then on the gaming front also, um, it, with again, that the demand is going to come from the next generation of cards, which are just going to be much more powerful and much more uh, efficient in terms of their power usage. So when, it's, it's going to be exciting. When does, when does that next generation roll out? Have they said? Is it like, you know, second half so, of this year? or No, it's just rumors now. So okay. They wanted it, you know, we were talking about getting unveilings in in May, actually, uh, and it never happened. Um, so I think the latest rumor that I saw was late in August, maybe. So, but again, we're, these are just rumors. Right, right. So a lot of rumors coming out back and forth. Yeah. So it's hard to, uh, hard to say. And then, you know, you get a, you get a soundbite saying it's not going to be a long time and you get somebody else saying it's definitely going to happen. So it's all, it's all rumors. Yeah. But people uh, love those stocks that have rumors associated. Makes oh, makes it sure. more well, fun, it's right? To talk about right. right. Yeah, like how boring would it be? <laughs> and then uh, you know, as I'm talking here, I got uh, the CEO, you know, Jensen. Yes. Um, coming out. I hope this isn't. Uh, here's, here's Maybe he's saying something right now. When, <laughs> when asked when the next Gen G Force would arrive, Jensen quipped, "It will be a long time from now. I'll invite you, and there will be lunch." Oh. So, <laughs> nice. Who knows what that that's means, the right? Way to, that's the way to answer. Well, there's really no reason for them to do it. If you think about it, there's right. such a huge demand for their existing right. card. Exactly. You know, why, why not just wait till that demand wanes to yeah. finally bring the next thing into the market? Because it's not like totally. AMD is catching up, uh, nor is uh, Intel. But these um, application-specific integrated circuits, so this is like a yeah. card that's made specifically for Ethereum mining or something like that. Okay. Some of those are starting to come on the market. And they're a little bit cheaper. So that's where the concern was that these oh. specialized cards would come out from other chip makers that yeah. would eat into their profits. Um, but so far, um, NVIDIA is not sweating it. All right. Well, um, we'll be checking in with them then as the year goes on. But let's just recap kind of where we stand. So the original five... Uh, Fang stocks sounds like you and I are pretty bullish on those names here, even at highs. Yeah. Even at the highs. Okay, so we like those still, and the new edition that are in these Fang indexes, it's like we like several of them. A couple others you need to do <laughs> do your homework on, and Tesla's its whole another podcast episode. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, so let's recap the tickers in case you're not familiar. I don't know. You'd have to be on Mars or something to not be familiar. But here are the tickers again. Facebook is FB, Apple, AAPL, Amazon, AMZN, Netflix, NFLX. Alphabet is G-O-O-G-L, Alibaba, B-A-B-A, -A, Baidu. You might not know Baidu, B-I-D-U. NVIDIA, NVDA, Tesla, TSLA, Twitter, TWTR, and if you're interested in that FANG three times leveraged ETF, it's FNGU, and it's up 35% year-to-date. Um, trying to find out why it's only 35, though. I thought the three times it might be more, but maybe Tesla 
And Baidu and a few are kind of bringing it down overall a little bit because, as I said, they're all equally weighted in that index. But uh, that's an interesting ETF if you're interested in the group as a whole. So we'll be returning to the FANG stocks going forward, of course, because it is one of our favorite topics. But when they have the momentum and they still got these great growth stories, we're going to cover them because that's that's a great story. So be sure to subscribe. Subscribe on Spotify. We're over there now. And I know some of you are starting to listen over there. So that's great. Great. You're finding us there. And you can also get us on SoundCloud. Of course, you can subscribe and on iTunes which is Apple Podcasts now. So we're in three great platforms. Be sure to check us out and I'll see you again next time.